it's time to talk about all things mental health. This is Get Mental with Cecile Ahrens. As a seasoned licensed therapist, Cecile is the owner of Transcend Therapy and is here to inform, guide, and connect you on the big and small everyday happenings that affect our mental and emotional well-being. Cecile is passionate about making a lasting and positive impact on people, connecting them to their own wisdom and strength while having a little fun along the way. Get ready to challenge the power of your human spirit. It's time to get mental. And now here's your host, Cecile Ahrens. All the things they say should matter, corrupted by the senseless chatter. everybody welcome back to get mental here on the answer san diego 1170 a.m 96.1 fm in north county i really appreciate you guys joining us again today and we have um, an important conversation that we need to continue from three weeks ago and it is on the subject of teen suicide rising 13 reasons why we should care this is part two of that and here again, back with us to join us to continue the conversation is Ms. Andrea Guzman, licensed marriage and family therapist who has a lot of experience and knowledge working with this population. Welcome back, Andrea. Hello. Thanks for having me. I wish we didn't need a part two on this. I know. But it just seems like an epidemic. It just It is. It's such a big topic and it's so multi-layered. Right. Correct. Yeah. So for those of you new to the show... Get Mental is where we discuss all things mental health and normalize conversations about mental health. This is your host, Cecile Ahrens, um, owner of Transcend Therapy. I'm also a psychotherapist myself. We provide individual couples and family counseling. You can check us out at TranscendTherapyCA.com, TranscendTherapyCA.com. And you may also access our podcast, Get Mental, on Spotify, Apple, and Anchor. If you want to suggest future topics or have any burning questions about your mental and emotional health, just email us. Or if you'd like to become a sponsor or advertise, email is the best way to contact us. Um, and your contribution will be making a difference. You are standing with us against fighting against the mental health crisis in our country. So thank you for, for bearing a with me. wonderful them. cause, Cecile. Keep oh. going. Keep going, girl. Thank you. <laughs> so, Okay. Um, when we talked about teen suicide the first time, we talked about the statistics, the risk factors um, that may put a teen for, uh, at risk for self-harm or suicidality. Yes. And if you guys want to hear about what we talked about on that show, uh, the podcast, uh, like I said, is available for you to listen to. But I think it's important for us to also talk about clinical depression because I don't believe we, we really got to touch on that. Correct. And I think there's a myth or misunderstanding about depression, or sorry, suicide sometimes, suicidality, where people think um, this could just be something that, that they can just snap out of it, that right. this is just, you know, they're a faulty way of thinking about things, mm -hmm. right? I think it's important to talk about what clinical depression is and what it can do to people. Definitely, definitely. And, and clinical depression looks a little bit different in teens at times. Good you point. can have like an oppositional defiant or angry teen um, especially males sometimes, mm. they're really suffering from depression, but they look like, oh, he's just acting out. He's just getting into trouble. And what really, really struggling with is depression, but he doesn't have the, he can't articulate it, doesn't have the words, he can't express it. So right. it can look different sometimes. So that's tricky. Yeah. It yeah. might not be textbook. It might not be. So what are some of the common um, kind of signs of depression you see in, in teens and the differences in the male and female teens? Yeah, well, you know, the females, it's, uh, it, it can be, they can do some cry for help sometimes. We can... Like we can, crying, yeah, feeling blue. Bouts of depression, you know, appetite disturbance, sleeping disturbance. Those are kind of classic, but you, you got to watch for those. Yeah. Um, you know, loss of interest in activities that they really were into before mm -hmm. that they're not into anymore. Mm -hmm. Those are some of the, the things that, that I see common. And I think in boys, it's a lot of, right, acting out. Right, but how I just mentioned. Aggression, yes. mm -hmm. irritability, sh withdrawal. Low frustration tolerance, yeah. you know, yeah. snapping really quick, like, ah, ah. and yeah. you're like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> how did that mood suddenly change so quickly? Right. And then also to mention with the females, also what I've noticed is that 
a lot of it sometimes um, with their menstrual cycle and the oh, hormones, the, yes. the biological thing going on, that can kind of coincide, which that can sometimes real. make it more yes. intense for them. Yes. Dip into a deeper level of a depression, ep- t- depressive yeah. episode. I think that's a really great point. You know, oftentimes I think in treatment, mm-hmm. you know, you, 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 as a clinician, you can tend to like minimize that or, or um, forget about that. But the hormonal imbalance Huge. is real. The struggle is real, even for adult females. Right. I have to be cognizant of that in my practice, you know. Definitely. And a lot of times I'm helping people cope with their symptoms around the time of their ovulation. Right. Because their symptoms do seem to be worse. Definitely. Around that time. So let's get back to depression. So um, for those of you who don't know, you know, there are specific criterias, uh, criteria that uh, meet the definition, the clinical definition of depression, but we're going to break it down, right? This is get mental. We're mm-hmm. going to simplify the language. Basically, what you're looking for is um, the following symptoms that last at least for two weeks mm-hmm. that cannot be explained by a medical condition. Um, what else? And that I think one of the symptoms m- must either be depressed mood or anhedonia, which is mm-hmm. like a loss of pleasure in activities. Um, but it's not your job to really be technical about that, but it's just right. something for you to kind of know. So we're looking for um, the big one, depressed mood, right? And we just described what that looks like in teens. Inability to feel joy, like if they're kind of withdrawing from activities that they once enjoyed. Um, It's um, episodic, right? It it can kind of come in waves, Mm -hmm. you know? And if it's happening a lot, that's, if the episodes are happening a lot is what I mean, that's when it can indicate that they've entered the realm of clinical depression, um, being sad is different from being depressed. Right. Right. Depression is like, it impairs their functioning. Lot, like helplessness, hopelessness for the future. They talk a lot. I learned this new terminology that they're talking about when the kids go into the hospital. And it's like absence of forward thinking. Yes. This is the terminology that they're, they're yes. using. I haven't heard this terminology recently. Because you're not being future oriented. That's Correct. what we call it. Correct. Yeah. Like, what do you want to, what do you want to do in five years? I don't know. Right. No idea at all. Well, right. did you, you know, what do you even, do? even what some do you like kid will tell you, you know, I want to be a veterinarian because I like dogs, you know. Right. If they have nothing, like nothing, nothing. That's a red flag. Right. Or what do you like to do for fun? I don't know. Yeah. A lot of I don't knows. <laughs> do you get that a lot? Because when I used to yeah. work with teen, I used to get that a lot. Yeah. And it was so frustrating. Right. You know, it's like, what do you mean? I don't know. Yeah. And then where do we, where do you go with that? But that's Nowhere. another conversation. <laughs> okay. That's a good point. Yeah. Not lack of forward thinking. Um, other signs too, to look out for, which could also uh, be part of depression is poor appetite, Mm -hmm. right? Or weight gain. Weight gain, weight loss. Yep. Um, and we're talking about a significant change, not just like, oh, I didn't eat yesterday and I missed a meal the other day. Not like that, but a significant change in their appetite resulting in weight loss or weight gain, significant change in sleep patterns. Mm -hmm. And they'll, they'll usually tell you, like, I, I just don't feel hungry. Do you know what? I, I just don't feel hungry. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you'll hear that. Yeah, and the, the, the sleep patterns, difficulty falling asleep or waking up. Right. This could be coincided with nightmares, which could also coincide with trauma, trauma. PTSD as well. So it, sometimes it... But they just kind of overlap. Onion. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. And change in, um, change in the a level of activity that's observable by others. Right. So right. just a change in mm-hmm. maybe the way they dress or maybe they're not showering as much or maybe they're always looking down these days or isolating or just, you know, that, that's a huge one. And just to get, um, go back to the sleep really quickly. Yeah. If you have a depressed teen, they know they're depressed. They don't want other teens to know they're depressed. Mm-hmm. It's almost kind of hiding it a little bit. Yeah. So they use a lot of emotional energy all day long just to look like okay. everything's so okay. okay, yeah. So nobody asks questions. So what does that do? That teen goes home and they're exhausted. Yeah. So they're out and asleep. Yeah. So it could mean sleeping more. Right. I have a teen right now that says, told me, I'm sleeping 10 hours a day. What, 10 hours a day? Now, they are saying now more that teens need to sleep more for their brain development. That's different than I'm, cogn- I'm purposely going to sleep on time versus I'm emotionally exhausted. I have to go to sleep. Yeah. So there's a difference there. Yeah. Sorry. To I know. No, I think that's a good point. Cause again, this second episode, this second show is really more geared for parents and caretakers mm-hmm. 
to recognize the signs so you can you don't have to wait until your teen is about to be admitted to the hospital for exactly. suicidal ideation mm -hmm. or really trying to be preventive. Um, so yeah, those are red flags, right? If they're always exhausted and they're mm -hmm. sleeping for 10 hours or more and they're just not really engaging with you. Or they're using sleep. I have a lot of teens that use sleep. To, to avoid feelings. Yes. Yes. Very good point. So that's like, oh, okay, that's your coping mechanism to sleep? I mean, mm -hmm. uh, Shut down. Yeah. It's safe. Yeah, right. You know? Yeah, it is. Yeah, but it, if we're talking about harm reduction, mm -hmm. it's better to sleep right. than yes. do something self-destructive. That's a very good point. Right. You can use it as <clears throat> avoidance to yeah. you know, do a self-harm behavior. Like, I'll take that any day over, like, suicidal ideation or, mm -hmm. you know, high-risk behaviors. Right. And so forth. Uh, fatigue or loss of energy. Again, we're talking about persistent chronic fatigue or loss of energy. And you will see that in a teen who's depressed. It's very hard for them to get motivated, mm -hmm. right? They're always tired. They're always yes. like, I don't feel like it. Which is uh, completely difficult because what do you want to tell a teen? Oh, go join a sport team. Let's go to the gym. Let's do a Zumba class, whatever, you know, to get them moving. But if they don't have the energy to do that, how can you... Yeah give them that type of intervention, it's not gonna happen. Right, right. Um, and we're gonna talk about treatment options too so that you guys know that there are actually real solutions to these problems. Um, this is a big one, feelings of worthlessness or inappropriate guilt. I think that's actually one of the, the ways you can really differentiate sadness from depression. Like if you're just sad and there's an event that actually caused the sadness and it makes sense to be sad, that's one thing. But if you're sad and feeling worthless, that's a big red flag. Right, right. So you're talking again about the combination. It's not about one specific thing on this list that you're mentioning. It's about a combination of red flags. Yeah, cluster of symptoms. Suicidal ideation is another one, of course. But that, as far as like the, de the definition of depression, that's one of the, uh, the factors that we consider. Um, change in concentration or indecisiveness, that's a big one. Mm -hmm. I see that all the time, even in my adult clients. Yes, a lot of times, actually, they present that way. Yeah, like, like what, what? Back, yeah. back here, back here. And I don't know if it's on the list, but memory. Right. Memory is huge. That fogginess, like, mm -hmm. or remote memory issues or... Just, just your brain not working right, right? And it could be because of the sleep. lack of sleep and the appetite. Yeah. <laughs> you need fuel to... So it all just kind of, like, it's a trickle down. It just, you just spiral Compounds down. Compounds itself, Yeah. Withdrawal, indifference, poor hygiene, academic problems, and behavior problems. Mm -hmm. So parents, if you're listening and watching, mm -hmm. you know, there are many signs. There yes. are many warning signs. And you guys need to educate yourself. If you're concerned, educate yourself because there are resources and support and effective treatment out there for your teen. Definitely. Am I right about that? You're, you're and and, and I know it's hard for you parents because you don't want to be, you want to give them that teen privacy that they like to have. Mom, don't come in my realm. And that my realm. teen autonomy. Yes. But yeah. at the same time. You're the parent. You're the parent. And if it's, and I always tell I, my parents, I say, uh, if I wasn't asking these questions, I wouldn't care about you. Yeah. And it's your duty to protect. It is. You know, I, I mean, let's just, let's yeah. just be it's honest it's about tough, that. It's tough being a parent. <laughs> yeah, it is. But you're not alone. No. Right? That's why we're doing this show. So we can, we want you to know you're not alone. And there yes. are resources and, and support for you. And reach out if you have these, see these red flags. Reach out. Mm -hmm. Other red flags. Expression of not wanting to be here anymore. Mm. Right? You mm. know, uh, you're better off without me. Or Nobody will care anyway if I go. Yes. Today That's I woke it. up and if I got hit by a train, I was like, who cares? Like, mm -hmm. talk like that. That's called hopelessness. Yes. Right? Uh, drawing death-related pictures or posting it on social media. I haven't had much experience with that. What do you uh, think? A lot of guns and shooting and this is... Kind of fantasies. It's difficult to piece out, though, because it could be like you could see then a teen that plays a lot of video games with guns, too. Yeah. So, again, it's, it's the, the cluster... cluster. Right here. <laughs> we high five again. <laughs> I know. Our second high five and second show. <laughs> it's the cluster of symptoms. It's not just one thing. Right. Right? Listening to songs about death. So really what this mm. is saying is preoccupation. Yes. Preoccupation with death and dying and kind of morbidity. Uh, playing video games with self-destructive themes, mm. giving away possessions, 
substance use or abuse, uh, being absent from school or mm. skipping classes, uh, withdrawing from relationships. Excellent list. Pretty, pretty good list. Yeah. So what are the, some of the things parents can do? Like I said, educate yourself and mm-hmm. seek support. What other things do you? There are, there are support groups out there. I mean, uh, online, you know, I like NAMI as a good overall general support. Resource. You can reach out to find a support group, get educated, talk to other parents so you can feel supported. Don't isolate alone. Talk to the teacher. Talk to the teacher. Talk to the school psychologist, definitely. Um, come to someone that you think that you can trust to help you with the situation. A lot of, I think, parents don't want, it's a lot about, I think Shame. you talked about this before, it's about prestige in our society, and I need to present my family a certain way, and mm-hmm. this is another reason we have so much stigma with mental health. It's, no one's reaching out and saying, I've got this problem in my family. Yeah. I need help. Right. And you're actually, when you're doing that, you're setting an example for someone else to reach out for help. Yes. Yes. So. Yeah. And we're all in this together. You know, it takes a community to really help struggling families. Yes. But I, I really um, advocate for reaching out for a family therapist, social worker, so that they can really piece apart your family dynamic and help you figure out navigate. what is going, navigate and what's going on that is causing this. Because it's a whole, it's a s- systems. Systemic problem. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, the other thing, too, is, um, you know, uh, regular mo- regularly monitor symptoms, right? If you if you already know your teen's depressed, right? Right. I think as a parent, you want to just make sure you're you're there, you're tracking, you're mm-hmm. monitoring, you're you're just kind of on the sidelines, going, okay, how hey, are they doing? Yeah, how are you, you doing? Know, watching, yeah. just keeping a watchful eye on your teen. Right. I tried to get this parent to do something the other day. Get one of those apps to regulate their teen's mood. So what would happen is the, the, the teen, you, um, it's really simple. You just, um, you go on the app and you say, I'm feeling sad. And then you put an emoji face. The parent does that. Well, the, the teen. Okay. And then that alerts to the parent. Like they can monitor that way. Oh. See, but this parent the was teen like. teen actually is okay with sharing that? Well. The parent? I, well. I find. <laughs> this is when you have everyone on board. Yeah. Okay. Everybody, I'm here to support you. I'm There's a, a safe and, relationship. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So we're on that you know, step two. That's awesome. It is. But this particular parent was a little bit nervous about that because they're like, well, I think I'm going to over like worry, worry and become so, over involved. But it's, but it, I would even advocate for them getting that on the phone just for the teen. So the teen could monitor their mood. Right. Because there's coping skills that you can do in between these dysregulated mood states that you have in these depressive episodes. Yes. But if yes. you don't intervene. Yeah. Yeah. Then it just goes down, down, down. <laughs> and get like, Get your child into therapy, right? I mean, I know it sounds like, okay, is that the solution to everything? Really, there's a time and place for therapy. Yes. You know, and there are effective treatments for depression. Depression and anxiety are actually the two most treatable mental health conditions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it it is totally manageable, right? right? Because of the evidence-based modalities, right? DBT and CBT, they're evidence-based so yeah this has been researched and proven Mm -hmm. you know and let's maybe we should um while we're talking about that maybe we should talk about the different levels of care right when we say treatment Mm -hmm. what we're talking about is individual therapy right if they need more support they could go to what's called an iop Mm -hmm. intensive outpatient program if that doesn't cut it they can have more support through a php Mm -hmm. which is partial hospitalization program and if they need more support they can go to inpatient or residential treatment Right. There's different levels mm-hmm. of care depending on where your teen is at right. in the continuum. And I want to talk about medications, mm. Andrea. Medications. Talk to us about your experience on, on like the role of medications. Because I think a lot of moms mm-hmm. or parents are kind of right. The initial yes. feeling is like, I don't want them on meds. Right. Right. And usually uh, my clients come to me when they're already at the level where it's acute. We need to be on some type of medication because the brain chemistry is just completely off. I like, Have you seen success it, on yes, meds? I, I, well, what you need to do with the meds is get to a baseline. Right. So that they can take in the information. They can take in all of the interventions and the coping skills that I'm trying to teach them. If you are suicidal every day, if and you're you are self-harming, every day. how can you sit in therapy? Yeah. You can't. And integrate that information. No. Especially we already talked about the drug and alcohol factor on top of it. If they're substance abusing on top of that, 
who who am I? We've talked about this before. Who am I, who am I talking to right now? Right. You know, who am I right. treating? So, they've got to get them at least at a baseline. And uh, parents, don't don't worry that the psychiatrist does not start you on this highest level of. They right. start at the very bare minimum. And sometimes, you know, because we have a lot of holistic, um, great psychiatrists that are very holistic out there. Sometimes they don't even prescribe. Right. They say you they'll know, do vitamins like magnesium and vitamin D. I have something that that's what. The prescription was. It all very, depends. Very no. mild psych- psychotropic drug. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it's not going to be forever. Right. In my in my case, I've, I've seen kids be able to get off yeah. the antidepressant. It's not. And then, you know, when they, they continue, they complete their puberty and whatnot, their right. body changes again. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, just on the subject of medications, mm-hmm. I think it's important to also acknowledge that there there might be times, depending on the severity and how much biology is a factor, that meds might be a part of that person's life, right? If we're talking about like chronic, Mm -hmm. you know, mood disorders, bipolar disorder, um, yeah. Kanye West. (laughs) Yes, major depressive disorder. Like there shouldn't be any shame in taking that, Mm -hmm. right? Because just like medical conditions, Mm -hmm. there are chronic mental health conditions. And if you have a chronic disease, Usually, medication is part of the treatment yes, regimen. It is. Yes, it is. Right? Nutrition, sleep, uh, exercise, mm-hmm. and meds. Like, I just really want to normalize that. It's a triage. Yes. I mean, I always tell my, tell my I have a, a lot of, for various reasons, mm-hmm. cultural, mm-hmm. religious, people say right off the bat, don't even talk to me about medication. Or just a lack of but understanding. Say, would you not give your diabetic child insulin? Right. Of course you would. I say that all the time, too. Oh. Like if you have a chronic headache every day, right. would you not just want to take like an ibuprofen? Right. 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 But there's there's been some misinformation about psychotropic medications. Um, and it's the stigma. It is. That that means my clients have said this to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, I, I, am I that bad? Like, I'm not. Am s- I crazy? I was going to say. Uh, the C word. The C word. I was going to say. <laughs> yep. I'm not crazy. I'm not taking medications. First of all, you're not crazy. I mean, what's crazy anyway? Right. Right. Yeah. That's, again, another stigma. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm glad that we touched on that. Yes. Because I I really think parents need to feel less conflicted and shameful about that. Right. If that were to be one of the treatment recommendations, you know. Of course, try other forms of treatment, but like at the end of the day, if you've tried everything, mm-hmm. what's the worst thing that can happen? Right. You know, and they also talk about like, well, doesn't that have a lot of side effects? My teen could be suicidal. That could, mm-hmm. but I don't think. No, the statistically, no. I I think that's not as it doesn't happen as often. No. Yeah. No, I haven't had any of my teens have. I mean. You know, th- there's some or there's dry symptoms. mouth or, you know, some stomach. But sometimes it's related to not eating when you're appropriately yeah. taking your meds. So, yeah. And then, but my, again, I'm not a psychiatrist. Right. <laughs> I'm actually going to have a psychiatrist here uh, as a guest to, to talk about this more Ooh, in a great. very, um, you know, maybe more credible way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. F- encouraging healthy sleep. It's, you know, diet, lifestyle. And, and from a family systems perspective, if your parent is really on board mm-hmm. about helping, if you as a parent are really on board about helping your teen get over this, you know, period in their life of depression, uh, you need to lead by example. Mm-hmm. So I have some parents that say, I'm going to take you for a walk every night. I'm going to be part of your regime, right. your holistic care, your team coping. I'm going to be part of it. Right. And so that makes a difference because then you get the support from your parent. They see that you care. They see that they, you know, really want to help you. And it it does a kind of a twofold right. type thing. You get closer. Like, say you've had. It's uh, like it, a dual function. Correct. You know? Yeah. I like that. Right? Spending time with them. I always tell tell my clients that, like, who are struggling with their children. I'm like, yeah. you have to spend time with your kids. You know, it's quality, not quantity either. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And be put the electronics down, be in tu- be attuned, <laughs> right? To kind of what kind of day they had, what mm-hmm. are they struggling with? You know, who's the kid that's really bothering them right. that week? Who's your BFF? Who's R- not your BFF? What yes. did so-and-so say to trigger you? What's going on on social media? We talked about that yeah. before. That's a whole and like to your point, 
it doesn't have to be a long time. No, it's it really incredible. doesn't. It really and doesn't. teens don't have that kind of patience to be no. talking to you for an hour anyway. They're done after five, ten minutes. Right. If that. Right. <laughs> but you can get some nuggets out of that five minutes. Yes. Yes. You, I, you know, as you counsel kids, sometimes you're like, okay, we're going to sit in silence for 15 minutes here. Okay. Yeah. You can get some nuggets out of that. Yes. Sit in the silence with them. Yep. They'll eventually break. <laughs> <laughs> Talk a little bit about... Uh, some of the research on how teens have the methods that they've used to hurt themselves. Mm. Because it's, it's mm. really kind of um, disturbing. It is. So this was from um, the CDC, Center for Disease Control, um, published in 2015. Leading methods of suicide for teens are suffocation, mm. 43%, firearms, 42%, poisoning, 6% falling. I don't really know what that means. Mm. 3%. So it, does this that would be, coincide with your there, experience? There was an incident that I recall in, in, uh, in Chula Vista where a kid jumped off a like, a like a bridge going over to his school. So that, I think, would be under falling. that category of a falling or like a cliff. Yeah, yeah. It's so disturbing. It is. You know? But suffocation. Yeah. Is it is this this the these do these stats reflect your experience yes. on the ground? Yes, uh, I, I would I would think so. The um to some degree. I and I don't want to scare parents because we just talked about um, psychotropic medication, but I do have a lot of teens that try to OD on their psychotropic medication. That's one of the common forms that yes. You, you've so it's very, very important that you are administering that um, your psychotropic medications very, as a parent. Very good very, point. Very, very important. Keep it locked. There you go. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. That is such a good point. So that's a huge one. And the other thing, too, is firearms, right? If you're a gun yeah. owner, mm-hmm. which I don't have any um, opinion, I mean, bad opinions about that, right? I, right. Grew, I grew up around guns. Mm-hmm. Some people know that in my previous shows. Just, But if you have somebody at risk in the home and you own weapons, put it away Store right. it somewhere safe and secure, mm-hmm. and separate the ammunition from the from the weapon. Right, and put the ammunition away where your teen does not know where it is. Right. Okay, that's really really important, guys. You know, because as as you've probably heard, some kids have accidentally, not even suicidal kids, just children accidentally have hurt themselves from firearms that are not properly secured. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and poisoning. I guess if you are in, uh, suspicious or concerned about your teen, look at your your cabinet. Yeah, your, and and, and, and if, take all the poisonous stuff out. But if your seems, teen, but if your teen is at that point, that bottomless point, they're grasping at anything to as I. This is how I say it with my teens off themselves. Yeah, they're they're grasping at anything. You That's know, I a think good I point. told you before the show started. I had a teen um, many years back that try to drink bleach right and that is that to do that because that doesn't taste good right you've got to be in such a depressed disassociative state meaning you're not inside yourself you're so you know in the lowest of low i call it the bottomless pit yeah so those you know you might not think as a parent well i better lock up the bleach i mean that's a household item yeah but again you got to know the intensity what level of intensity of depression does your teen have Mm -hmm. where are we at Right. And again, you know, just thinking about that, like it's really hard, I think, as a parent to f- anticipate every single darn yeah. danger yes. in their home. Mm-hmm. And I don't want you guys to think, oh, it's, then it's my fault if I don't, you know, and right. fully anticipate what my teen's going to do to off themselves, to use your words. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to, to say that if your teen is at that level where you're worried about that yes. and you are constantly kind of screening your environment for danger, then that might be a, an indication, parents, that your teen might need a higher level of care. Definitely. You know, that they may not be safe at home right now. And, and that's what we do as therapists. We're always erring on the side of safety. If we have a concern that we think something might happen, you know, we have a whole level of steps, I think we talked about before, that Assessment. we, assessments that we go through to ensure that the teen leaving our office is going to be safe for that night, whether they're on a suicide watch right. or they're in the hospital on a 5150. We will... That's our job. It's our job. So 
send your kids our way if you're, you know, we don't want you to do have to do this alone to assess. Right. When in doubt, seek help, you know. So very, very good point. Um, so I think you, you also wanted to talk about the ACE questionnaire. Should we jump into that? Sure. Just because I've seen so much of um, depression, especially, you know, in teens with the trauma history. Yep. Um, because that let, let that adds a whole nother layer. It's not just, um, it's different than a teen that developed depression mm-hmm. when they became a teen mm-hmm. versus a kid that maybe had some depression when they were eight, mm-hmm. who separated from their parents or, mm-hmm. you know, um, something happened traumatic to them that they have the foundation. Right. Of depression because as we know when you go into depressive episodes the next one is going to go a, a, a dip lower yeah it gets worse over it doesn't time. get better it's a progressive so that's why your risk for suicide would increase yeah. if you are suicidal yeah and if you're clinically depressed right clinically. that's what we're talking about clinical. clinical depression mm-hmm. so why don't we take a break and then when we return we're going to talk about this ACE questionnaire and um, explain what that is to you. And uh, yeah, I think some parents would find this really helpful. Stay tuned. We'll be back. Supporting local business isn't always convenient, but at Ortiz Market, it is. Ortiz Market has all your shopping needs right at the corner of Escondido Boulevard and 13th Avenue in Escondido. They're family-owned and operated and feature a huge selection of local beverages. And if they don't have what you're looking for, they'll order it for you. That means you can get what you want without the long lines you find at big-name supermarkets. The best part is they care about serving our community and are here to join the fight to destigmatize mental health and let people know you are not alone. Visit Ortiz Market today at the corner of Escondido Boulevard and 13th Avenue in Escondido. Welcome back, everybody. This is Get Mental. If you're just tuning in, this is Cecile Aarons, your host with my wonderful guest, Andrea Guzman. We're here to uh, continue the conversation on teen suicide. You can listen to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, and Anchor. Also, I want to mention that you guys can call us, 866-577-2453. Phone lines are open for any questions or concerns you might have about this subject of teen suicide. Again, 866-577-2453. We look forward to your call. And one other thing, I also want to mention that we have a featured guest of the month. Her name is Joy Parks. She's a certified meditation teacher and empowerment coach and you know, I think one of nice. a really great coping skills for teens is a meditation mindfulness practice. Won't Most you agree? Definitely. Yes, yes. I have teens right now doing yoga and they love it. Awesome. Because so. it can help with self-regulation, stress mm-hmm. management, just stabilizing a teen, you know. So there you go. If you want more information about Joy, Joy Parks, that's with an E, P-A-R-K-E-S, joyparkswellness.com. Okay? Thank you. So let's talk about ACE. What does ACE stand for, for our viewers? Yes, ACE. Adverse Childhood Experiences. <laughs> we know. <laughs> we, we, we abbreviate so many things in mental health these days. Yeah, Adverse Childhood Experiences. And this is an assessment tool that, ha- that we utilize all the time um, d- at different levels of care or treatment facilities. And it really is just a nice, easy way to assess the risk that a teen might be presenting with, the risk for mental health issues, really. Mental health issues, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the higher your score is, it's how many questions? Yeah. Ten. I think it's 10. Yep, 10 questions. And you're, the concern, I think, is more around like the eight level. Okay. Where, But again, you know, this is just an assessment tool. You're, after they check yes, you're going to want to ask questions surrounding that. So it's not mm-hmm. just yes mm-hmm. and then because again, level of trauma can differentiate between yes. th- your perception of right. what happened. Because you know you, you'll have you'll have two people that are in the same home and experience the same thing, but the trauma will affect them differently, as you know. So right, right. And I think you know the the idea here is the higher the score, the more at risk they become. But a caveat to that that I would like that I would add, but mm-hmm. just kind of doing a lot, working with a lot of trauma cases, is mm-hmm. sometimes you can have just one or two or three. 
of these and s- present with so much more difficulty and dysfunction because of how you ex- that person experienced the trauma. Right. Right. So let's go through the questions. And again, parents, we're sharing this with you mm-hmm. because if you are um, kind of confused and not sure, you could you could totally get this from from the internet. Right. And just kind of take a look at it. Yeah. And I think it would be a nice little kind of... Uh, Probably even insightful for yourself. You could do it for yourself, for yourself. too. Yeah. Because oftentimes, you know, parents yeah, Transgenerational have, trauma and yeah. So let's go through the question. Number one. Did a parent or other adult in your household, household often swear at you, insult you, put you down, or humiliate you, or act in a way that made you afraid that you might be physically hurt? Right. <clears throat> so a teen may or may not answer yes to that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or may not be able to identify it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you might have to help them give some examples. I usually say... If you're a therapist. You know, yeah. Right, if you're a therapist, mm-hmm. you'll never amount to anything, you know... Why should you try? You're putting you down. Yeah. Put downs, verbal abuse. Yeah. Um, another, the next question is, did a parent or other adult in the household often push, grab, slap, or throw something at you or ever hit you so hard that you had marks or you were injured? So again, they're looking for physical abuse. Correct. Right? Did an adult or person at least five years older than you ever basically sexually abused you? Right? Fondle, touch you inappropriately, and so forth. So they're, asse- we're ass- they're assessing there for emotional abuse, mm-hmm. the first one. Mm-hmm. The second question is for physical abuse. The third question is for sexual abuse. And the next one? The next is. one. Did you often feel that no one in your family loved you or thought you were important or special? Mm-hmm. Your family didn't look out for each other, feel close to each other, or support each other? This could be, you know, the dynamic in an alcoholic family system, possibly. Right. Um, or domestic violence, even. Yeah. And, well, and all of those other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you often feel that you didn't have enough to eat or uh, wear dirty clothes and had no one to protect you? Or your parents were too drunk or high to take care of you or take you to the doctor? So this is talking about the, were the teen's basic needs met for, for uh, food, shelter, and just basic, basic needs. medical care? Yeah. yeah. And then were your parents ever separated or divorced? And again, it's the perception of the child because as we know, there's many kids mm-hmm. that um, could go either way. It's just another risk factor. Right. Right. Um, was your mother or stepmother often pushed, grabbed, slapped, basically did, was a parent abused? You know, domestic violence. Right. That's what they're assessing for. And then the next question is alcoholism. Or substance abuse in the family. And then was a household member depressed or mentally ill or did a household member attempt suicide? That's a big one. It's a big one. Because what that also does is it helps us clinicians um, assess for family history. Right. Of mental illness. Right. And if, and if possibly if the child was parentified because they had to take care of their alcoholic parent or their depressed mother, Mm -hmm. I get that a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, Good point. And then did a household member go to prison? Again, that's another uh, risk factor. So you can see just with these questions, yeah. right, that the higher the score, mm-hmm. the more reason for your teen to be depressed, mm-hmm. the more reason for your teen to also have PTSD or complex trauma right. and just have a lot of other life difficulties. Or an anxiety disorder. Uh-huh. Seen uh-huh. that a lot in teens too that I don't know if I saw as much maybe 10 years ago but I that know, is it's <laughs> on the rise and that's what we talked about in the first like episode. panic disorders like they're, they're having panic attacks yes I, I don't know if i saw so much of that 10 years ago no i, I agree i agree so that's a pretty intense thing to experience mm-hmm. i don't know mm-hmm. um yeah um the good news with mm-hmm. all of this is that <laughs> mm-hmm. if i can call it that right <laughs> is that there is help yes right i want to keep reiterating that that for all these things that we're talking about that sound depressing and dire, the truth is there is help. Mm-hmm. There are people who are trained and very, very skilled at being able to support your teen and your family. But you have to start. You have to reach out. You have to make that call, right? Right. So how do teens get to, to, your, to your facility or well, clinic? Well, they, they, 
like I said before, a, a lot of times the, the level of intensity mm-hmm. of mental health, um, chronic mental health problems, that the teens that I have, they've been, I for lack of a better term, in the system for a while. They've had therapy for a while, so they're just kind of like going through the process. But a lot of them maybe have an IEP with, you know, their primary handicapping conditions, emotional disturbance. Right. So they already have those services in place for them. Okay. But, but they're in the school system. Yes. And you're and assessing them yes. in the school setting. Yes. So you can always reach out. And even if the school um, doesn't have, you know, um, mental health therapists on their campus, they can get you someone that is in the community. They can refer you. Okay. There's there's a lot of um, family health centers ingrained in the, the school systems now, which is great. Which is In San Diego. Chain. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which is a chain. And, and in Los Angeles, where I, I used to work, too, they had a lot of that. They, they're kind of partnering right. more. Right. Um, so that that's better. It's easier to, to less stigma on reaching out mm-hmm. if you can just reach out in your school. And also, I think um, when in doubt, start with your local crisis line, right? In San Diego, that's 888-724-7240, 888-724-7240. So if you don't know what that is, I'm sure you could Google that if you live in another county or city right. and start there because they have a ton of information. Yeah, and they will actually take your information and and tell you, okay, well, how about this? How about this? So they'll, they'll, they're, they're pretty support helpful. groups. Yeah. Low cost treatment. If that's an issue for you, if you don't have insurance and so forth, if you have insurance, you could just start there. Definitely. Right? If you're not in Call crisis. the number on the back of your card and yeah, they'll get you someone in your network. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for, um, the last few minutes, um, let's talk about some protective factors. And then share kind of a, a story. I think there's a story, Andrea, you, that you'd like to share about a teen. So what are some of the protective factors? I think like knowing the signs, like I said, educating yourself, mm-hmm. right? Um, having a safe, supportive environment, home, school, the larger community. Having someone that they feel they trust. Yeah. Because trust is already a huge touchy subject for teens it's difficult to build that trust Mm -hmm. and there's so much drama about breaking up with a boyfriend or a girlfriend and oh my gosh I don't trust you anymore and there's a lot of that you know teenage stuff going on so it's trust is a a a delicate yeah and you know they could be very upset with their parents one minute and the next minute I I love my I love love you mom you know Yeah. yeah so with all that going on um with normal teen stuff, normal teen drama, uh, finding that one person. Uh, usually my teens, there's one person at school that they really feel connected to. Mm-hmm. It could be anyone. Yeah. And they could just reach out to them and talk to that person. So again, public service announcement, when someone talks to you, <laughs> listen, and then encourage them to go to a professional. I mm-hmm. always mm-hmm. try to do that. Because I have a lot of teens right now that are trying to counsel other teens. Mm. And I advise them, please don't put yourself in that position. That's a very stressful position to be yeah. in. Yeah. Reach, you know, and, and that's very different from like peer counselors that are. Or you know. just supporting, being a good friend, right? That's right. different too, you right. know. But if, if somebody is like chronically depressed or having a lot of issues, I think um, that's good advice. Like yeah. make sure that they also have a therapist. Right. Right. And, and, and if they have an intrinsic, like a talent or a like or a passion, Yes. That's a very, very protective factor. That's a good point. Yeah. Celebrating and kind of their strengths and their yes. talents. Because so that t- builds their self-esteem. It does. And a lot of times uh, my teens, for whatever reason, lost their passion mm-hmm. along the way. So well, that's part of the depression to too. Yes. So try to get them back, reel them back into that. You know, I was really into gymnastics when I was five. Okay, well, let's let's get back into that. Yeah. So they let's can start kind of, small. Excuse me. Yeah. It's, it's difficult, though. It, you know, like I was saying, if they're very already very depressed, it's hard work to motivate. It, it takes be. it takes a team. If you can get a team, yeah, to support your team, chances are much better. Yeah, and I'm talking coach. I'm talking, you know, counselor in the community. I'm talking Teacher. janitor. Yeah, <laughs> who whoever yeah. is on that person that that teen's team. That's a really good point. You know, and but you pa- have to create the team, right? And parents, it's not going to happen. You know, without you. Uh, initiating advocacy and, and facilitating that definitely. you know don't wait until it's too late right um what about like faith or spirituality definitely definitely i always try to connect my kids um if they have a particular faith faith in the community mm-hmm. um get them back into that because the youths can be powerful for them that's so true yeah 
so around other kids that that's are, kind of the power of being with your peers and kind yes of, positive peers yeah and positive, developing you with that love and because sometimes when you're a depressed kid you have a tendency to veer over to the negative peers oh yes and Good point that's not gonna do anything for you yeah 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 so. i just wonder what your thought was oh on yeah that, definitely you know? mm-hmm Okay, so thank you for listening this far. Um, we are talking about teen suicide, and this is Get Mental with Cecile Ahrens and Andrea Guzman. And now we have reached the part of the show called Inspiration Corner, which is actually one of my favorite segments because this is where we talk about real-life stories of real clients who have struggled with the subject that we're talking about. So Andrea is going to share a story about a teen mm-hmm. who uh, was chronically suicidal, it sounds like. And yes, take just, it away. Uh, I'm, I'm talking very, very uh, over, over 20 hospitalizations. I mean, over the course of a long and period attempts, of time. And attempts, actual attempts. Attempts um, from the various methods that, that, I, you know, that you've discussed. About. Wow. Um, foster youth, um, LGBT community mm-hmm. uh, person mm-hmm. and just kind of struggling with a family dynamic that wasn't very positive and it just you know sometimes you can run from your family but you can't hide you know mm-hmm. um, they're <laughs> just they're still there doing the dysfunction and you're trying to get healthier right. in a mental self um, place a healthy place but you can't right because your parents your environment is abusing or yeah. negative or abusive so this teen really tapped back into that thing I'm talking about, their talent, which was music, yeah. and got back into it enough to go, you know what? I love music. I want to do music in the future. I want something for myself. So that power mm. brought that teen back up. Yeah. And are they out of water yet? No. Are they not self-harming and doing suicidal you know, behavior? Has that stopped? Yes. Wonderful. Medication compliant? Yes. So... Treatment compliant. Yes. So yeah. it's a path. But she found a sense of purpose. It sounds like that's right. what right. you're saying, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. And so that will push the helplessness and hopelessness back down, the little demon that pops up back yeah. down, and mm-hmm. then the passion and the you know goals for the future will... Like a reason to live. Yes. A reason to keep moving forward. Right. So again, I want to advise the parents, It's this is not an overnight process. Right. And after you get through this period, this tough time, it's got to be a lifestyle change. Mm-hmm. What there, do you mean by that? Well, holistic, all the things that you mentioned, exercise, sleep, diet, nutrition, nutrition, yeah, all of that. It's got to be part of positive peers, positive peers, everything. Yeah. It's got to be part of, of your regimen because if it's not, uh, you know. In your experience working with teens, how mm-hmm. often do they actually get to that place of like choosing healthy, a healthier lifestyle for themselves. Well, they, I, I, again, I mean, together with their family, of course. Yes. Together with their family. Um, it happens. It's not, again, in my population that I deal with very, very chronic situations. Um, so they, they're seriously, you don't see it that often with that that population. I do see them come back five years later and say, Hey, you know, this is going on. So then I know I don't usually get to see, you know, I plant the seeds, but I don't get to see the tree grown. Right. Usually. But you'll get like some update somewhere along yes. the way that indicates that they're doing better. Right. Well, that's hopeful. Yes. That's a hopeful message. Yes. Right. Because again, that's what I was saying in the beginning is mm-hmm. that these are treatable, treatable, manageable conditions, uh-huh. but it's not just going to happen. You, the family system mm-hmm. has, have to be willing to be inconvenienced. Right. Right. And um, talk about, you know, difficult things, because usually when a teen enters therapy, the whole family usually gets invited in there. Mm -hmm. And some parents don't like that. No. Because the teen is the identified patient. Right. Right. So that's that can be really challenging. But just know that this is a systemic problem. Right. So so what you're really saying about the identified patient for parents is oh, that thank you. What, what basically she's saying is that the teen is the one that's acting out. The teen is the troublemaker in the family. They're the ones that are having all the problems, so they need to go to therapy. They're so this family therapy, uh, basically, you might have a spotlight on you a little bit, yeah. <laughs> which is uncomfortable. Right, right. <clears throat> and, you know, 
there are times when it's just a straightforward case where the teen is really the one who's clinically depressed. Yes. There's a biological, huge biological component there, and the family's super stable. Right. But honestly, that's rare. It is. It's it us- is. They're usually, a, the, the teen is usually a symptom of a bigger familial systemic problem. Yes, definitely. Right? And that's not to, to also talk badly about you parents, no. right? Because usually that means you could also use support and assistance. Definitely. And there's usually some wounding that happened to the parents too, right? Because it gets transferred over from one generation to another. It like sure does. You deserve help and healing too. Mm-hmm. So... There you have it, guys. There you have it. We are running out of time. I'm being um, shown a few like different flashes of fingers. <laughs> Not the bad finger, just like time. <laughs> so this is a true mental health crisis, everybody. We have a serious problem in our hands, and it really, really calls for all of us to work together. It takes a village, and I'm so grateful for Andrea and her time and really wanting to, you know, educate and um, share her experience and her wisdom because this is not my expertise and I, I could not have, like, done a show without, on this subject, oh, you, without your You your have help. plenty of expertise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, you know, not, not necessarily with teens. Right. So, and thank you for doing the work that you do because, yeah, um, I have a... Uh, it's I, I, got to keep going. It's, it's, it's hard. Keep going. It's hard because you have to work with families, so... Thank you so much. And to all of you guys, thanks for listening to Get Mental. Um, Like I always say, be well and be gentle. Bye for now. Thanks for joining us today on Get Mental with Cecile Ahrens. To learn more about Cecile, become a sponsor or guest on Get Mental. Or if you have any questions about mental health, visit TranscendTherapyCA.com. That's TranscendTherapyCA.com. Join us next week at this same time for more talk on all things mental health on Get Mental with Cecile Ahrens.